what I saw is biblically just walking through um, Acts and seeing um, how we can know if we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, how, um, what the evidence of that is, and we saw that that is, um, we saw the Biblically, through the book of Acts, um, they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other languages. That was, that was the sign. That was the evidence that we see. And we had, um, we've had, I think now, from what I understand, um, I think last youth group, there was another young man got baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidence speaking in tongues. So I think we got five this month that I know of. And then I heard of someone that testified um, at the prayer service that they have just recently been, which um, we didn't know. So that's awesome. So um, I just want you to know, it doesn't, the baptism doesn't have to just be received when you come forward up into the, and we pray and lay hands on you and pray for you. And if we have done that, and if that's happened, you've had someone pray for you and you haven't um, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't be discouraged. Keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. Be hungry. And say, all right, Lord, it doesn't have to happen here. It can, and it does a lot. But there's, I've heard many, many testimonies through my life of sometimes people that are still searching, they've asked, they've had hands laid on them, and then they're just vacuuming. Next thing you know, they're like, whoa, what was that? I'm speaking in tongues. Yep. So, like I said, I don't baptize anybody. Like, I water baptize people, but I don't baptize anyone in the Holy Spirit. Jesus does that, and he doesn't need me to do it. Why we come and have you come up and lay hands? Because that's, that's what we see in Scripture. That's what, that's what the early church did. But we see that it also happened different ways. So you're not limited. My heart would be continue to seek. Right? There's a principle that Jesus laid out and he taught. He said, is anyone, is anyone hungry? When he taught in, in Luke 11, he taught the disciples. They wanted to know how, how, how to teach to pray. And then he gave this, this beautiful picture of, um, it's nothing to do with my message, kind of. Like maybe it does. Um, a man had some visitors show up, kind of surprise, company, and he went to his neighbor's house, his friends, and he began to knock on the door, hey, we need some bread, and he's like, hey, go away, it's two in the morning, I'm, I ain't getting out of bed, hey, we need some bread, dude, I told you, I'm not getting bed, it's cold, don't you know that, I ain't going to, just figure it out, how I many of I was like, he ain't going to leave until I get up and give him some bread. That was Jesus. How he said, they said, teach us how to pray. We'll pray like this. You know, when you ask, in the Greek it says, not just we, we see it many times, it's ask. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. In the Greek it's ask and keep on asking. Knock, keep on knocking. Seek, keep on seeking. Amen? So if you didn't get it the first time, that's not that uncommon. There's a principle through prayer. How many times when you've prayed for something, it just happened the first time? It can, and I love it when it does. But I've also prayed and kept on praying, and it happened. Amen? So I just wanted to, to give you that. Don't be discouraged if, if we prayed for you. Or, and I felt bad. I put a lot of pressure on my wife. I'm like, dude, her batting average is super high. Just go have her pray for you, and, and you'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just I got a lot of faith in you. Like, so once again, she's not the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So you could all tell her. I, I fixed that and made that right, okay? No, I'm not really in trouble or nothing. I get in trouble quite a bit, though. Um, if you ever see Jenny, just so you know, when, if, if I say something, and, and I've kind of learned not to even look over there anymore, I just, I just, if I, I'm, like, I'm just going to keep over here with this side, but I'll, I'll see her just kind of like, 
or, or you'll see her look at the kids and they're like, <laughs> you'll know. So, all right, let's get into the word. Uh, we're going to be in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Now, eventually, we were gonna go, going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, verse by verse. And we, but I want to give some, kind of set the stage for some of the major questions that we have and that comes in, the, in this day and age concerning the gifts. And I just want to clear, you know, kind of clarify some of those points, and then you'll really see, um, see pretty clearly as we get through there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Um, maybe I should turn there in my Bible. That'd probably be good. What do you think? If you have a Bible or a phone, go ahead and turn there. And if you have a phone, if you silence it, that would be awesome. Um, so I'm going to be reading uh, this morning this, this text out of the New King James, and then we're going to read it again out of the New Living Translation. But what Paul wrote, he said, I thank my God always. And, and just, just realize this is the introduction to the letter. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And how many know in the very beginning you see models that Paul does? He's establishing some things, and he's establishing them right up, right up front. And he says, I thank my God always concerning you. I just love that. It's not really pertaining to where I'm going, but I got to say I'm learning more and more that heart of just being so thankful. And he's, and he's talking to the church. He says, I thank my God always concerning you. And I got to say, that's, I, I, I do the same thing. I thank God for you guys. I thank God that we've been so blessed to be put and placed in the church here with, with such an awesome family who loves the Lord. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you. That, that's the word charis, where we get our charismata. It's a grace for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Isn't that cool? The grace that has been given to us has been given from Christ. Amen. Isn't that good? That's a pretty good gift that we've received. It says that you were enriched in everything. Now, I want you to notice something in this passage. There's, we see verses, and we see the Bible broke up in verses. You'll see verse 5 or 6. Verse, is, is there a way that we can put them all, um, like two or three at a time? It's okay if not. But I just go look at it. It says comma there. At the very end, there's comma at knowledge not period. So everything that I'm going to read to you is in one sentence. Okay? I just want you to see that. It's not four different sentences broke up. It, it's one thought process being continued. Okay? So he says that you were enriched in everything by him. That sounds good. We've been enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge. This is what Paul's speaking to this church. And now I got to tell you, when this, this letter starts off like this, you're thinking this church has got to be one of the most amazing churches ever. Right? I mean, listen, he's, you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. And then you read into this letter and you're like, these folks are jacked up. The Corinthian church, I, I thank God for the Corinthian church. When I read about Corinthians, I'm like, dude, new life is doing pretty good. Like, I feel like we're doing all right, but, but, and, and we're going to go somewhere with that here in a few minutes, but, but he says, they've been blessed and graced in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no charismata and no charismata. That's a grace gift. So he says, church, I, I thank God for you. 
and I'm, I'm so gracious that, that you were enriched by everything in all utterance and knowledge. And as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you can come, that you come short in no gift. They've got it all. All utterance. They have the greatest ability to speak and all the utterance gifts and knowledge. They have all knowledge. So these aren't dummies. These aren't like, like some, like in, in this day and age, the charismatic church and the charismatic movement are seen as less educated. You don't really understand scripture. If you did, you wouldn't be there. That's not, that's not the case. Not with this church. And they, they come short in no gift. Eagerly. Now this is important. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the unveiling of Christ. Amen. The full unveiling. They are, they are coming short in no gift. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will also confirm you till when? To the end. That you might be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? That'd be the day he appears. Now, I want you to see something here. Paul is setting the course right off the bat in the first chapter of the Corinthians. And he's talking about their gift, their utterance, their ability to speak and, and prophesy and, and, and speak the, the word and their knowledge of the word and knowledge. And the testimony has been confirmed in them. They fall short and none of the charismatic gifts eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end. There's no period that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, the day he appears. When you break this up and you, and you study this, he is basically telling them, I've given you this wisdom, this knowledge, these gifts, till the day of the Lord. I find it so interesting that so many people will think and say that the gifts have ended when we saw that God gave the gifts in the Old Testament. If the Old Testament and the Old Covenant church in Israel needed the gifts, mostly Israel, not the church in there, but everyone that came and, and were circumcised and, and took on being and worshiping the God of the Jews, there was gifts available. We've seen them used and, and, and poured out. And in the church... The church's birth and power in that charismatic, that the charisma, the charismatic gifts, which are gifts of grace. And that we're, the covenant is of a, an age of grace, the church age. It's, it's grace. It's not by law. The gifts are from, literally from grace. Now, those gifts are so needed today, and they are available today. And it would be, it would do the church a disservice to teach against the gifts in this day and age, especially when the most needed time and the most evil and dark time probably the church is going to see is, is before us and ahead of us. And I don't see where, where the Lord would be like, of all the time periods, and early on when the church was birthed, the gifts are there. And then we're going to get to, as things start getting darker and as things start, start wrapping up, he's going to go, I'm taking those away from you. You don't need those anymore. You have the word, that's enough. Well, the disciples had Jesus. And the word, and the scrolls, and the Holy Spirit. 
And he said these signs should follow those who believe. Amen? We, we read in, in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, that as soon as the question was asked, what do we have to do? Peter tells him plainly, well, you need to get, you need to get baptized, and then, we're, and then you need to be filled, and this gift is for you and for your kids and for those who are far off and for all who will come. Amen? So I, why, why this is important to me is there's been a lot of question, there's been a lot of attack on the gifts, and I feel that, that we haven't done a very good job as, as Pentecostal people as knowing the, the word and knowing, like, we know, and it's one thing, like, I know, and, and people say, well, I know, I don't even have to worry about that. No, you should know, and you should be able to teach. You should be able to, to turn to the Bible when someone questions that and go, well, well, what do we do with this? Because this is scripture. And the, and the movement of folks that say solo scripture, like, I, I only use scripture. Well, I believe if you're solo scripture, then you must be charismatic. Because if you just take the word of God and you only interpret the word of God and you measure the word of God by the word of God without any outside influence, you would, there's no way you come to a picture of, oh, the gifts ended with the church, with the apostles, or the gifts ended when, when the Bible came into being. You wouldn't come to that conclusion. You have to be taught that from outside of the Bible. Are you following me? So if you just didn't, were never taught anything and you just picked up the Bible in the New Testament, you began reading what I said, the conclusion you would come to just from reading Scripture is that because there, there is nothing in Scripture that says they ceased. You have to go outside of Scripture. You have to go outside and have someone else teach you something into Scripture to teach that. And that's not solo Scripture. If all you're listening to is Scripture, then when you read Corinthians and you read multiple passages in the New Testament, you go, oh, that's definitely for today. And you have an evidence, which, which I will go back to. It doesn't matter. Remember, when we started this journey, when I first came, we started through um, the Sermon on the Mount. Over and over, you'd see, you've heard it said, Jesus said, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. And I say again, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. What really matters is what his word says. So just because someone might be uncomfortable with the gifts or they've been misused, that does not give a reason to teach against the gifts. The gifts end, what this is saying, the gifts end when our Lord is revealed. You see that? The gifts end when our Lord is revealed. That's what Paul's teaching. He uses these terms, waiting. You come short of no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses, will confirm you to the end. Look at the terms and the things he's saying. That you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the day that he returns. That's the day that he appears. Amen? Now that charisma, the definition in the Greek, the charisma, where it says you come short and no gift, you come short and no charisma, that, that definition in, in the Greek is a, it's a spiritual endowment that is subjectively religious. It's a re subjectively religious qualification or objectively miraculous faculty. The charismatic, it's miraculous. It's miraculous gifting. It's gifted from grace. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. It's an, a miraculous gifting that comes from on high 
that all that is required is that you've been washed by the blood, that you're a son or daughter of God, and you want it. What do you have to have in order to receive any gift in the natural? Desire and faith that it's for you. Amen? If you don't believe the gifts are for you or for today, you know what I will promise you won't have? You won't have the gifts. And you'll, I'll hear people say, well, I don't see that in operation today. I don't have that. Like, that's not a part, that's not for today because, and their reason, because I don't see it. Because you don't want it and you don't believe in it. If you don't believe in it and you don't want something, you know what I will promise you won't get? That. If you'd say, Pastor Steve, I want to cook you the biggest mushroom, the best mushrooms that there are, and I'm going to saute them, and we're going to have this amazing mushroom dish. I will promise you. I could say, that's not for me. That's not for me. I, 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 I'm sorry, you're mistaken. I don't like mushrooms. I don't want anything to do with mushrooms. I don't think, I, I don't, but God is not in that. I think your gifting's wrong. You see that? I could tell you in the natural a hundred reasons why I don't like mushrooms. And you shouldn't either. I can, I, I, you're wrong for liking mushrooms. It's a fungus. I wasn't in my notes, but I feel the Holy Spirit saying, I think they got it. We're going to carry on. I know it's kind of funny, but it's the truth. Now, aren't you glad that the Lord gives us multiple, multiple opportunities to tell us something? We saw Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and he told them to not get in the way of the charismatic gifts. He said, don't stop them. Don't, don't stop. Don't put us into prophesying. Don't, don't, let, don't, don't encourage people to stop because there probably was some misuse. He said, don't do that. It's just a whole other way. He's saying, let them continue. Now, in 1 Corinthians, I want you to read the same passage in the New Living Translation. Now, I, I personally think they did this really, really good. Um, the, the, the flow of what he is saying is, is right on the money, and, and it takes a lot less like reading over and over to really get it. So listen to this. It says, I always thank God. Paul says, I always thank God, my God, for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, through him, God has enriched your church in every way. With all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. That just is like, I don't need to break that down and study that out. That's, I get it. Amen? That's, that's beautiful. And, and I, I just want to say, like, 
there's such argument and such debate in the church over the gifts, over the charismatic, over the miraculous. And it's, it so breaks my heart that I used to get frustrated just because I, and, and I still kind of do at times because I feel like there's a, there's a, it's almost like um, a secular spirit. And what I mean by that is secularism is where you like, you see like tr- trying to take God out of things. Like secularism is where we try to take God out of the schools. We, we, don't, we don't want people to read the Bibles in school. We don't want people to pray in school. There was a, a coach for seven years. Has been, there's a case getting ready to go before the Supreme Court. The school told him, do not pray. Don't get down on a knee after a game and pray anymore. And all he was doing is he would pray after every game, God, thank you that I get to be with these young men and that I've been able to give them the gift to teach them how to play football. Thank you for that gift. And they said, you can't do that anymore. You're forcing your, your beliefs on people. And yet we live in a culture that he, that he could watch porn. He could talk about all kinds of different things. And they won't have a problem with that. But, but God forbid, because, you know, you going on that knee, that, that might make other people want to pray. That might make other people, oh, well, maybe, maybe other people start doing that in public. But you can let people walk around naked and march in parades. But what, what are you doing? You can't get on a knee and pray. That's secularism. That's, that's taking God out of the culture. And it's sad to me that even in the church, we have people that are taking, to me, you're taking God out, the gracious gifts that God has given for the church, out. I say, No. What God has given, we want. Don't take nothing out. I want everything he's got. Amen? Now, I'm not saying like some crazy stuff that has no scriptural bearing. We're like, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Bible. So instead, instead of arguing about the gifts, if they're needed, or, or for some of which are more important, we should be using the gifts. We should be operating in the gifts that he's given us for the purpose of standing for Christ in this secular culture. You hear me? So we need to table the argument. We need to table or us as believers. Sometimes I think we wonder, well, is that really for me? Does he really want me to have? Yes. Yes. He wants you. He wants you to have all. All knowledge all wisdom, all the gifts, abilities, that supernatural and natural giftings and office giftings that he has for the church. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to operate in all of it. But you should be, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. And don't argue or wrestle with anyone else. Well, my gift is better than your gift or your gift. Or I need more of yours. Well, just say, God, I want what you have for me. And, and I'm, I want you to be full of all knowledge and be able to defend your faith. You need to be able to, to, to know what you know and be able to turn to the Bible and go, you know what, in the very beginning of Corinthians, right here, this is, how, this is why I believe what I believe. Because his word says so. Amen? You with me? The other reason why he's given us these, these gifts so that we can minister, which is the true word of 
some of the different positions that we're going to be looking at. It's to minister, which is to serve. Those gifts are to serve. They're not so you can go like, flex, look at me. I'm using my gift. They're so that you can, can serve and minister. There's no better way to minister to this culture than the gifts. When you can have the gifts that are they're grace-inspired and they're love-inspired, they're inspired from the love of God and the grace of God. When you can release in supernatural ways the love and the grace of God, that's a good day. It's, it's not just, and, or in the word, if, if not even in a tongue, just in a word saying, the Lord loves you. And there's a supernatural unction and anointing that came behind that prophetic declaration of that simple thing, the Lord loves you. And then he comes alongside of that with power and he breaks down the hard heart and he melts the heart of stone and those words come with a prophetic vision and he sees, remembering back to when he was a child or she was a child and she heard or he heard those words for the very first time. He can do all of that through a prophetic spoken word or through a picture you know, I see this little child, and they go, what? How many have encountered that? You've encountered the prophetic move. And, and sometimes it's not this huge, long, like, reading someone's mail, as we like to say. Sometimes it's just a very small word or a picture, or I heard something as I was with you. I heard something. Don't tell me that's not needed today. I've seen too much. I've seen the Lord do too many things. Or through someone ministering, like myself. Ministering, using their gift. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside of that and goes, you know, that's the truth. You need to do something with that. Amen? You and me are ministers. We've been, we've been called to serve this broken world. And oh, the Lord loves them. He loves us. And guess what? Every single one of us were broken and some of us still are broken. And yet he loves us. And he's still pouring out. Amen? And he wants to pour out and pour out and, and love this world. I'm not going too deep today. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. feels good today. I'm not like, feel like I'm rushed at all. Can you guys tell that? Man, last week I was like, Wah! felt like I had to, thank you, Lord. Now this is known as the love chapter. You've heard it read at many, many weddings, but really it's, it's about the gifts. And he says in verse eight, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, everyone say that with me. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Now pay attention. He, he's going to say the same thing about three or four different times. You know what that tells me? 
He wants us to understand. Amen? When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, you see there's a difference? When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, you see the wording? For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then, face to face. Now, I know in part. Then, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Do you see there's a difference between the now and the then? You see Paul establishing that. He tells us early on, love never ends, but prophecies, they will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. For knowledge, it will pass away. So when you read, you're like, okay, so when? And it doesn't say that it had. And they were in the church age. And then he goes on, he says, but when the perfect comes. Now some will say, and I've heard some um, people say, well, what he means there is that that means scripture. That means the scripture. So when the scripture comes, because the scripture is perfect, when scripture comes, then all of that passes away. So, they, so now we have the scripture, so the gifts have ended. That's not what it says. Let, I mean, if you just took that and taught into that, but you didn't read the whole thing, you might end up there. But if you go on, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Do we see in a mirror dimly now? Do you have all knowledge? You know what this tells me? Even this, and this is the thing that cracks me up, is if you read this in context, it says, as for prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it will pass away. Well, so which one? So we're just going to say that two of those passed away, but knowledge hasn't? Well, why are we still teaching people? If they ceased, are you hearing me? Those are all three in a group, are they not? If they ceased, then what are we doing teaching anybody still? If we see clearly, because that which was perfect has already came, then there's no need for knowledge anymore. There's no reason, there's no reason to study. Does that make sense? I'm not pulling this. This is in the context that Paul wrote. For we know in part. Do you know, do you know it all or do you know in part right now? I don't know a church on this planet that say that we know it all. Well, I actually, I know a handful. That's not true. Um, I won't say the names of the leaders. How's that? For now, we see in a mirror dimly. What's Paul saying? Is Paul in the same age that we're in today? Yeah, he's in the church age. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Do you see Jesus face to face now? Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Isn't it cool that you don't fully know, but, but you're fully known right now? I like that. 
That used to be a scary thing to me. It's not really anymore. I've come to terms as he already knows it all, and he still looks at me and says, you're my son and who I'm well pleased. That's a good day. He sees it all, and he still says, you're my son and who I'm well pleased. He still wants me to come. He still wants me to be with him. He still wants me to dine with him. He still wants me to sup with him. He still comes and says, hey, let's hang out. That's a good day. Verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And I didn't have in my notes, but I think it's important to see the very next verse. Um, and, and remember, the, the Bible wasn't broke up in chapters and verse. So his thoughts continuing right after he says, so now faith, hope, love abide. These things, these three, but the greatest of these of love, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That's what he goes right. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That sounds like there's, it's still going. We should, we should keep desiring that, amen? Now, the word, but when the perfect comes, I thought that was important to look at. That word in Greek is teleos. It means complete. In various applications of labor, growth, mental, moral character, etc. Completeness of full age, a man perfect. I love that it says... Man, that's the Greek word, not, not text, not scroll, perfect man. So, but when the perfect comes, I wonder who that would be. I wonder if that was consistent with scripture that Paul was writing in the very beginning of Corinthians, of that perfect one to come in that day. Am I reading into scripture? Am I adding things into this, or are we taking the text? Now, listen to this in the New Living Translation. It says, prophecy and speaking in unknown languages, or tongues, and special knowledge, prophecy, will become useless. But love will last forever. Will become, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Now, see that now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Amen? We have a part. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, I, 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 I would say that right now, if you take all this in context, right now we are as like little children. Are you, are you complete, fully mature right now in the Lord? I'm still like a little child. And, and he tells us, like, I want you to be like little children. You know what's going to happen when, when that trumpet sounds or I take my last breath? I'm going to mature. I'm going to be completely, I'm going to know as he knows. Like all the different dimensions that are limiting right now are going to be gone. Like we're going to see face to face, eye to eye. I'm going to have an insight. I'm going to go, oh my gosh. I'm not there yet. Amen? Are you there? Okay. Are you looking forward to that day? 
Amen. Now, are we maturing? Are we growing? Yes. But none of us, if you say, I'm fully mature, I've got, there's all knowledge, every, all, everything's full, I'm done, I'm complete, and you're here, I know you're a liar. Because you can't be that here. There was one. And they crucified him. And he resurrected. And I'm not it. So if you're looking for me to be that, guess what? I'm never going to be this side of heaven. But I can tell you when I breathe my last breath. And any of our loved ones, when they passed over, all, they no longer, I, I say at a lot of funerals, they no longer have to walk by faith. They're walking by sight. You are walking by sight when you cross over. It's not, there's no faith required anymore. You see and know all. You're like, well, I hope this is going to, oh no, I don't need any faith. I'm standing on the word. We're going to be standing on the, the sea of glass. Nothing's going to shake your faith. You'll never have to, well, I hope I don't mess up. No, it's over. You're fully mature. He goes on, he says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Oh, man. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Isn't that comforting? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now these gifts, they give us the ability to build, encourage, strengthen one another. That's the purpose of them. To build, strengthen, and encourage one another. The church. They're to build the church. They're to strengthen the church. They're to encourage the church. And that's why I feel it's so important that we allow the gifts and we teach the gifts and we all begin to operate and move in the gifts that God has given the church. Amen? Because how many think in this day and age and in the days to come that we need to strengthen the church? We need to be built up. Amen? That happens through scriptures, through the gifts. Now we can feed ourselves and, and obviously I, if you're not spending time in the word and you're not spending time in prayer. I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep. Well, pastor, we pray over our food. I'm talking about getting before the face of God. Sometimes it means just getting in front of him and shutting up. Saying, Lord, here I am. And I call it getting naked before him. I tell you, when you put yourself in that place, all the, the stuff that we can do in the natural and kind of cover ourselves and feel like or the mask that we could put on, it all goes away when you stand before him. When you get in front of him, all that stuff goes away. And you're left with what you are and who you are in him. And you can't hide and you can't lie. And you allow him to see you. And he's so merciful and so good that he doesn't chastise you in that place. He's not kicking you and saying, what the heck's wrong with you? How could you come in here like that? Oh, he's so lovingly. He puts his arms around us. He says, come on, son. Come on, daughter. 
I so love you. And he tenderly and gently will start to put his finger on some things. He says, I want more for you. I want more for you. I want to bless you more. These things are keeping me from blessing you in these areas. I so want you to spend more time with me. Those things are keeping you from spending time with me. Why don't you let go of them? Why don't you walk in the light as I'm in the light? So we can have fellowship, real fellowship. And, and it's in those places that those gifts will begin to be developed. And those, those impartations and those words of knowledge and those words of wisdom and those, those visions and pictures, that's the place where they get developed. That's the place where all of those things start to come birthing in us. And then we go out. And then sometimes we are reminded of, remember what I showed you in the secret place? Or you hear that voice and you're like, oh, that's the voice I heard this morning. It's so much easier. Amen? How many, how many of you have experienced that? And you can say, Pastor, I'm with you. You see, we need to be there so we can build up one another and also, again, love on this lost and hurting world with those gifts. Now, I want you to see something. I, I grew up, and in some ways, I think, I don't know what to think. In some ways, it was good. In some ways, I think it was a detriment growing up in church. Because I heard a lot of things that I don't see biblically correct or accurate. I heard some good things, too. I witnessed some good things, but I was taught some things I don't that I just see are different than Scripture. And, and here's one, and I think a lot of you would identify with this. If you give a word to someone and it's not, it's not perfect, then you're a false prophet. I don't know how many times I heard that. I think I know what they mean, but that's just not biblical. And so, before you go, Pastor, in the Old Testament, it said, yeah, that was the Old Covenant. We're in a different covenant. Now, if you get up and say, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, fire is going to fall down from heaven, and it's going to consume this offering that I'm pouring here. And guess what? Tomorrow at 12 o'clock, that fire does not fall. I'm going to say, hey, bro, you missed it. Something's wrong. And, I'm not, and you're not going to be able to say, oh, well, there was a demonic influence that stopped that from happening. Uh, no, God's greater. I don't even need to go look at that. If God said then that's what's going to happen. But I just read something that tells me, and it said it, I don't know how many different ways. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Is that what it said? But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. In the New Living, it says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. I'm not giving an excuse to, to be just rambling and do whatever, just blah, 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 blah. I just need you to see, biblically, 
He's not expecting perfection. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, like, this was from the throne. I didn't, I didn't read commentary. I, didn't, I was walking out of my office to go out the front, and the, and the Lord said, I'm not expecting perfection. I went, huh? And it, that passage just hit me. I said that in all these different, in part, in part. You don't see clearly. You're not, and yet we teach and preach that, by God, if you don't do this perfect, God's not in it. That's different than what I'm reading. That doesn't give you an excuse just to go, if you put God's name on something, you need to be careful. That's so you don't hear me say a whole lot. And I've done it a handful of times. Thus saith the Lord. I, I remember growing up and you'd hear people would speak in tongues or they prophesied and they'd say, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Every, every little thing. Thus saith the Lord. Because like all of a sudden like that made me, you be careful with that. If, if God didn't thus say, shut up. That doesn't mean, I'm not saying shut up on something. Don't say thus saith the Lord. Say, you know, I'm sensing. I think I heard. I've done this a handful of times. A lot of times with people here. Hey, I think I heard something. Um, or I come up, can I pray with you? I feel the Lord is, and I'll tell them, if this isn't from the Lord, let it go in one ear and out the other. And then I'll ask them, hey, did that, did that bear witness with you? That's being humble. The gifts humble you. The Holy Spirit, if, if the Holy Spirit's coming on you and all of a sudden you're so full of pride, you're thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, and I shoot off. That's a different spirit. You need, to, you need to be okay to say, you know what, I'm fallible. There's going to be a day that I won't be. I hope you hear my heart. I'm not giving you an excuse to go run amok, to go to camp run amok, as Jay would say. I'm not saying to go to camp run amok. I'm saying if you're spending time in that secret place, you're spending time with an open Bible and a notepad just before the Lord, and he begins to give you things. I will tell you this. If you write something down, and you really, it's, you'll find it here. Or he will bring someone with you and bring a confirming word. And he will start building your confidence so that you can have more confidence. And you've recognized that voice many times in, the, in that quiet place. You've moved enough. And you may see me at times up here. You're like, well, he's, you look pretty confident when you're preaching. You're, yeah, I feel pretty confident under that anointing because I've been under that anointing. When you guys don't know, like, there's 10 years of ministering in, in jails where none of you were there with only four and five people and the Holy Spirit, but he was with me. But he was with me. And I began to learn his voice, and I began to say things and speak things and watch them come forth and hear them say, yes, I was just praying about that, or the Lord brought people in my path. Like there's, And we all have, like, we all have those, or we, I hope we've had those encounters where we've walked with the Lord through some things and we know. We also know when we haven't spent time with Him. And you're, don't, you're not too confident in your gifts because you haven't been in the secret place. Amen? That was free. It wasn't in my notes.
We're not perfect right now, any of us, are we? Okay, then why would we think we're going to be perfect in miraculous gifting? Or in any other thing? You're not going to be perfect. You think I perfectly preach the message that God puts on my heart every Sunday? Every single time he's like, yep, perfect. I'd have said every single one of those things. Thank God for his grace. Why do you think they're gracious gifts? There's a lot of grace needed. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm a simple guy. But I think there's a reason that it's grace giftings. We're going to be perfect when we see him face to face. No fuzzy mirror. No questioning. No wondering. When we're in the presence of God, in his presence like that, we'll no longer need gifts because we will no longer be imperfect children. We will be full-grown men and women, all understanding and all able to see perfectly clear. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I know this was a pretty simple message today. Lord, I pray that if someone was wondering, they leave, well, what was it about? Lord, it's so important that we understand and have a confidence that your charismatic gifts, your miraculous gifting is for us and for today. We are not going to listen to outside influences that aren't biblical to tell us something different. Lord, we thank you that you're a gracious God. Lord, we thank you that you're, you've given us the paraclete, the one who walks, walks alongside of us and is our teacher. If we didn't need a teacher and we weren't going to grow, and we were just going to be perfect when we accepted you, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us and teach us and convict us when we mess up. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for your grace that you're not expecting perfection. Lord, break perfectionism off of me. Break perfectionism off of your bride. You see us perfect because of the blood. And that was your choice. And I thank you that you do. But Lord, I am not pressured to walk perfectly. You do tell us to walk holy. That means to walk different. Lord, we walk different, uniquely to all the other people of this world. Lord, we do not want to take you out of our life and we don't want you taken out of this world or any of the areas that we're involved in. Lord, I pray that you let us and allow us to use your gifts, Holy Spirit, that you've given to the church to glorify you and to let people see your love and grace for them. Not that we have some supernatural power. Not that we, and Lord, do not allow us to be full of pride. Restore us, Lord, as David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, as we, Lord, woo us and challenge us to the secret place. Call us, Lord. Sing songs over us, Lord. Woo us, Lord, to your presence. Lord, we will hunger and thirst for you. 
And Lord, that we're not pursuing gifts, but we're pursuing your heart. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Lord, pour out your spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, for those who, Lord, I just feel there's a conviction. I thank you for that conviction. But Lord, I pray that if there's no um, condemnation, Lord, it's so easy to say, I, I've fallen, I've come short, I've messed this up. Lord, I thank you that you're a redeemer. Lord, place that ointment, that Holy Spirit anointing over our lives, over the areas, Lord, where we've failed. Rub it in deep. Rub it in deep. Restore the joy of our salvation. Restore the joy of our salvation. Restore the joy of our salvation. Amen. 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 You can be dismissed. If you want to hang out and worship, you're more than welcome to. God bless you guys. There's some coffee and stuff outside. If you want to hang out and fellowship with the next group coming in.